Aboru boye baba lawo Iboru boye Welcome to Lakura Podcast, Decolonizing Latinx Health and Reclaiming Traditional Healing. This is your host, Francisca Porches Coronado. Lakura Podcast is a project of Mi Gente in collaboration with Resilient Strategies. Saludos, everyone. I wanted to introduce today's episode with Healing by Choice, which is in Detroit, and it's a circle of women and gender nonconforming people of color, health and healing practitioners based in Detroit, and um, they have different healing modalities, um, and they offer different healing modalities from Reiki, meditation, Tai Chi, peace and restorative uh, circles, herbal nutrition consultations, ear acupuncture. They're specifically focusing on offering healing modalities for self and community care for the reduction of racial harm in mind, spirit, body, and institution. And I wanted to talk to them because it's the kind of work that they've been doing for a long time. I really wanted to speak to them about their perspectives and the kind of work that they're doing now in the midst of this global pandemic. This conversation happened a while ago. I just want to say that when the pandemic hit, I felt really strongly that I wanted to have a series of conversations with healers and leaders. And I recorded this a while back, actually. And I have a few more uh, pretty cool episodes that I recorded um, a few months back that I want to share with you all. I think when we had this conversation, um, it was sort of like toward the beginning of the pandemic. And I definitely feel like I had um, some delayed grief that I've now experienced. And over the past month, obviously the global pandemic still feels like this really important moment of spiritual transition in a lot of ways. But also we have this Black-led uprising that I think has been a really powerful example of what this transition is going to bring forth. Um, and so excited for you all to hear this episode with Adela Nieves Martinez, Marcia Lee, and Amanda Hill. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to La Cura Podcast. I am so excited to have um, three powerful folks with me today from Healing by Choice in Detroit, Michigan, uh, Adela, Marcia, and Amanda. And I want to start off by asking them to actually say a little bit more about themselves. Um, I know Adela. I definitely have met Adela, but um, but would love to hear from all three of you all a little bit more about who you are, where your people come from, and then what is your uh, healing modality. Um, I know you all are practitioners, and um, and so that folks that are listening to us can get to know a little bit more about you. Thank you, Francisca. I am Amanda Hill, and I am a member of a core collaborator with Healing by Choice, um, which I'm super excited about. But a little bit about me, uh, where my people are from. My family's been in Detroit since, I guess we would call it the Great Migration, really. Um, and so my my folks came from Alabama 
on my dad's side and Georgia on my mom's side and moved to Detroit um, at a time when a lot of Black folks are moving up from down south. And um, we're able to, you know, slowly build community um, and build families up here. And so we've been here since. Also, I'll just, healing by choice, I am a Reiki practitioner. Um, I've been interim comadre while our dearest Marsha was out on maternity leave. I also do things like offer emotional support and deep listening. Uh, my English name, I go by Marsha, and my family is from Taiwan, and we speak Chinese there and Taiwanese. Um, and in Chinese, my name is Li Inghui. Uh, my people are from Taiwan originally, and I've been in Detroit now for about 15 years, and I guess mostly always lived in the U.S. unless I was in Taiwan. So I consider both places home. My pronouns are she and her. And the work that I do with Healing by Choice, I'm also comadre, meaning that we kind of support holding the container for Healing by Choice, our, our collaborators and the work that we do. And I offer bad dad jokes um, <laughs> restorative justice work, uh, so conflict resolution, Tai Chi, which is a modality of um, internal martial art, and different kinds of retreats to help people to listen to their own inner voice, courage renewal work, as well as helping people to develop more tools for self-care and resiliency. It's good to be here. I love being in relationship and in community with Marsha and Amanda and the rest of our group. So I'm feeling deep gratitude right now. So peace, everyone, as we say in Detroit. This is Adela Nieves Martinez. My name also means noble snow. Uh, Detroit is also called up south. I live, let me just say my pronouns are she and they. And I live between Detroit and Puerto Rico. I've been in Detroit, organizing in Detroit for 14 years. And I am a traditional health practitioner. I'm a mama. And I'm a community member. I am also a comadre of Healing by Choice. And that's the name that the group chose to have Marsha, Amanda, and I be called as a way of extension of family rather than corporate title. Well, I also practice as Reiki. I do cupping therapy. I practice traditional indigenous medicine from a Taino and Mexica lens. And I was in naturopathic medical school when I got pregnant and decided to pause from that and still honor and practice part of natural medicine, but I'm not sure I'm going back. Right now, my priority is being deeply on the ground in Detroit and in community and being present for my child. So that also feels like part of my medicine, my modality, and the ways that I can contribute to transformation in the world. Thank you for having us. We call this place that we live in currently Detroit. Um, 
And just want to acknowledge that it is actually um, the land of the Anishinaabe people. And then I'll pass it to Adela to name the other communities and indigenous folks whose land we are on. Yeah, so the Anishinaabe and Three Fires. We also honor and I say remember that Black folks that were forced to be here and immigrant communities who have guarded, protected, and cared for this land are also part of the lineage and the history that we hold here. Thank you. It's an honor to have all three of you and to rep your collective, which I have admired from afar. I wanted to ask you all, uh, how are you doing? You know, there's a lot happening in the world. And this pandemic, I think, um, is something that is moving us to really ask each, each other um, truly how we're doing. And so I know that you all are, you know, holding a lot personally in your own spaces, like many of us are. And then I assume you all are being called also to step in um, even further or, or more deeply um, or maybe take on more as in, within your healing practitioner roles. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious how you all are sort of holding up right now. I think that at this moment, I'm feeling just very grateful. I'm looking at the sun shining in my window um, and I'm, in a home that is warm and has clean, affordable, well, not affordable, but it has clean and running water. And that's something that not everyone can say in Detroit. As we have had a crisis of water shutoffs enforced by the city over the last several years, um, which of course is a contributing factor to how many people get sick here. So on one hand, I am grateful to have these things. And on another hand, I am enraged that policy um, put forth by the Detroit city government has allowed people to live without running water for years um, and has pretended that that's not a, a major health factor in people's outcomes here. So sitting with a lot of disparate feelings. Um, And then I'm also feeling glad to be a part of Healing by Choice and to have skills um, and knowledge that allow us to be resilient through these times. I'm grateful for the practice of ritual, which has helped me to recenter myself and be more grounded in a place where initially I was feeling a lot of fear. Um, And so I'm grateful for the community built within Healing by Choice and within other organizations that I'm a part of and supporting. throughout this time. So just that feeling of connectedness, I'm very, very grateful for. This is a deep question for me because I don't want to, I don't want to dishonor anyone else's feelings, but I want to share deeply and honestly where I am. I feel 
like, I've said this a few other times that this moment might be new, but we're not new. And that our peoples and my people have been preparing for this for generations. And so I am deeply in a place of remembering what we've come through and who we are here. And so especially in Detroit, where we're in low-income communities that have been under-resourced and oftentimes ignored, we've learned how to be there for each other and, and meet each other's needs. So I feel like there's some lessons that have grown me here, and it allows me to, as Cara Page, the founder of the framework of healing justice would say, like we've been working between the immediate need and long-term structural changes. And so I feel like we're exactly in the work that we've been doing and we're kicking in some ways, kicking into higher gear right now. And we have the gift of being in deep community, having long-term relationships knowing where a lot of our resources are and also recognizing where our most vulnerable are, as Amanda was saying, with with water shutoffs and unhoused folks and our disability communities. I'm not saying that we're in any place of perfection, just that I I feel like there's a deep knowing in me, even within the unknowing and the I don't know. Well, I just, I, I just, before you go, Marsh, I just want to add on to is that like I have from a very young age been in community and in family where we've known and recognized that relationship is the thing that will hold us and get us through. And so I feel like I have, I get to hold on and reach for those lessons that come from so many of from where, what I was born into, but I'm also surrounded by those communities. And I know that not everyone is. So I feel like myself and Healing by Choice are tasked with opening that up for others and saying it is possible because where we've lived it and a lot of us were born into it and we can go back to that. We can remember and we can expand it. Okay, gracias, Marsha. Thanks. You just laid the ground for what I was going to talk about. And so um, my friend Thea Carlson um, shared this acronym PIES as a way to talk about how we're thinking, feeling spiritually in the moment. And so it's P is physical, I intellectual, E emotional, S spiritual. So I'll go through them real briefly um, because it helps me to organize myself. So physically, um, in regards to, you know, what's a small thing we can do? Um, decided today that I'm going to do subversive healing. So when I'm on calls or say hypothetically this podcast here, I may or may not be soaking my feet in a, uh, a Epsom salt and lavender bath right now. I can uh, pour some water to let you all hear it. I love it. <laughs> So physically pretty good because I was like, you know what? We can do healing all day, every day, right? Healing not in the sense that um, that there's this idea of wholeness or perfection or that, you know, people with disabilities are not whole, right? But more healing with the sense that we can come in contact with the sacred within ourselves and within each other. 
So physically, great. Uh, intellectually, um, really trying to lean into this idea of moving fast, slowly. Because I think, and that's also, I suppose, emotionally and spiritually too, because it feels like in order for us to live into these times in a way where we're standing in our own power and inviting other humans and the rest of the earth to stand into our own power, we have to move fast slowly. So we have to give the time and space to really, um, as much as we give externally, we also need to give internally. And as our friend Chantal Taylor, who's also a part of Healing by Choice says, in Hawaii, the indigenous community that she's a part of, we would ask in these times, how are we stepping on the earth? And so I think it needs to be both of those things, thinking about the earth and thinking about the rest of creation and humans in terms of, I guess I say that as how I'm doing because that's a part of how I navigate how I feel is how am I doing in the context of the rest of creation? And then I think it's really a time for deep listening. And I have the great fortune, as Amanda said, of having just come off maternity leave. So I have an almost four month old and she's really, really good at holding me in the present moment. And so I think in that sense, I'm able to do the work I need to do externally, but I'm also forced in a lot of ways to do my internal work because this baby does not play. (laughs) Thanks. Oh my goodness. I am so excited about this conversation (laughs) based on everything you all said. Um, And it's, um, you know, it, you know, this podcast has a lot to do with my own needs as well. Like, I think I really needed this conversation, just like I know a lot of folks out there did uh, or do. And there's so much wisdom that you all just put out in terms of um, some of the learnings and realizations and affirmations that um, have come about, (laughs) given the backdrop of this pandemic for you all. And I'm just grateful for that. And I think, um, you know, a couple of things that um, that were put out, I think Adela, I relate as well in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think somebody asked me, somebody asked me recently, like, have you allowed yourself to feel the fear? And I was like, I'm not really sure if I'm holding myself back from feeling fear or if I'm just not in a fearful place. And, and I had a moment of like, I don't know if I should feel bad about that right now or, or figure out, or like maybe just contemplate as to why maybe I'm not falling into fear. Just maybe just yet, maybe, maybe it's delayed, maybe it'll happen later. But I think, I think you're naming something that's kind of powerful of like, um, uh, you know, just being in a place of, um, reflecting on history and reflecting Mm -hmm. on our ancestors' legacy um, and the tough times that I think they both experienced and lived and and also, like, um, you know, um, that we've inherited in some ways in our own DNA. And so um, I appreciate that sort of deep knowing and you naming it. And I think that um, I think it's important 
I think we're all in very different places and I honor where all of us are. And I also am hearing what you're saying and appreciate it as well. Um, and, and the piece around, you know, moving slowly, moving, moving, um, moving fast and also moving slowly which can happen at the same time is something that for a long time as somebody who's been an organizer or was an organizer for a long time I don't consider myself one at this moment given that I'm not practicing that um, currently in my work even though I'll always think like one like once an organizer always an organizer in my opinion but uh, uh, mentally at least um, is kind of like that wish that I have for movement and I'd like deep longing for movement building and for organizing that our people are always moving really, really fast, uh, which makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense because of that immediate need, but we're not always in the moving slow, right? So it's like our spiritual sort of place isn't always in the slow moving, um, and but our physical is always in the fast moving. And sometimes we're just moving really, really fast and almost in this um, mania, right? Um, and so my wish, I think, for movement right now is in that moving really fast of like mutual aid, of making demands of, of all our people being free from prisons and detention centers and, and, mm -hmm. um, And all the, uh, of the, the demands on health, healthcare, um, all of the housing stuff. Um, my wish, I guess, is that, that we're able to find that slow place as well, you know, um, that, that, that place that will also build our spiritual muscle, um, long term, I think, beyond this pandemic, um, because we've needed it even before the pandemic, right? And so right. I just really appreciate that framework. Um, and it really um, is very nourishing for me. And it, it kind of gives wor words to something that I feel like is a longing um, for, for me and my, my organizer peoples out in the world. <laughs> um, so, Can I respond to that very yeah, quickly, Francisca? Thank you for that offering. It feels important to hear from you too. Uh, I so I have a Taíno grandmother, and uh, Taíno is are the indigenous peoples of the Caribbean. Uh, her name is Bibi Cucuya, and we talk about that. You know, some folks who uh, feel put off by the word ancestor because some of their ancestors were either toxic or they had, they didn't have great relationships with them. And, and thinking of, we're t thinking about what it means to slow down and that we can have moments of slowing down that our ancestors are also the soil. Our ancestors are also the trees. Our ancestors are also the grass and the flowers. And so we can take a breath and a moment with the soil or with our feet in the grass or to touch a tree to just like reconnect with who we are and reconnect with the ancestors of the land to then move forward. It doesn't always have to be just who we knew physically, but also who we know energetically. Mm, thank you for that, Adela. That really definitely resonated with me. Um, just thinking about the fact that there are many ancestors that I will never know, um, that I can't intellectually trace back to, but I just know that my people are resilient people because the circumstances they had to live through, the trauma, 
uh, the violence, the economic injustice um, that they have survived um, and even thrived through amazes me. And so there have been moments throughout this whole lockdown and pandemic um, and earlier moments of fear about what would happen to my family, what would happen to me, uh, what would happen to my community. I thought, wow, how much have we already survived and thrived through and created support systems for ourselves and for each other when there was not necessarily institutional support. Um, And just thinking through this on the other side, reinstating some of those more communal practices, um, which we see already happening with the mutual aid networks, but making them deeper, making them stronger, and making them more earth-based, earth-focused. So yeah, thank you. Well, I was curious about that. Um, You know, you all have been doing this beautiful work in Detroit, um, and some of it you mentioned. I'm curious about the work that you all, if you speak a little bit more about the work that you have been doing the last few years in Detroit as a collective and um, how that looks in this moment, how you've sort of maybe right-sized the offering or maybe just it just looks different, obviously, for all of us, all of our offerings in the world. Um, And um, I think you've shared a little bit about some of your realizations, especially as you're saying, Amanda, around how so many people are tapping into probably the best side of their themselves in, in this moment from what I've seen. And then some of the work and practices that um, and efforts and intentions around healing, healing justice, politicized healing, care work. Um, have now, you know, um, adapted to this moment in some way. So um, if you all could speak a little bit to what the work looked like before and how you've had to sort of shift gears um, in this moment. Um, Okay, I'll touch on some of the work that is ongoing for Healing by Choice. We partner with a group called Detroit Disability Power, um, and we've been doing monthly healing circles, uh, community care circles is what we actually call them, um, and we have been doing them in person for several months um, as an ongoing practice to offer a space for community members who are living with disabilities um, and those who are caring for people with disabilities um, and chronic illnesses and chronic pain. Um, We shifted those after this uh, crisis happened. We were supposed to have a, um, a circle on the 15th of March and Cases of coronavirus were just starting to uh, really appear in Michigan. And so the decision was quickly 
to not have the circle in person, but to shift it to an online format so that we weren't just dropping the work. Um, because these are spaces where people come together and are able to receive healing services um, in person that would often look like Reiki, ear acu detox, massage, things like that. And then also be learning self-care skills such as how to make a tea for anxiety, for instance, or some seated uh, chair stretches that people could do. Um, And so we decided to shift it because we wanted people to still have a place to kind of process through their emotions, to connect. Um, And so we moved to Zoom. And mind you, this was a very quick turnaround. So uh, we decided to just hold space and... Uh, facilitators from Detroit Disability Power uh, were able to kind of set up questions to really get people to engage with how they were feeling um, and what we needed to give ourselves and to each other. And so that has been uh, great to see as a transition. And then I know that we have some other things that the group has been working on. So Maybe Marsha will want to speak to kind of the online uh, trainings and sessions, work sessions, workshops that have happened. Sure. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for that question, um, Francisca. So I just want to share a little bit about our framework in terms of how we operate um, and then share how. One, in Detroit, we've really been taught by Grace Lee Boggs and a lot of other movement um, elders, this idea that we want to reimagine everything. So this particular moment will end, but these kind of events will continue and continue and move quicker and faster because we are not honoring Mother Earth and we're not honoring the rest of creation or our people, right? So what we want to do is really have this framework of transformation what is possible if we reimagine the way in which we're in relationship with ourselves, with the earth and with each other. And so centering this healing justice framework that Adela can explain much better than I can. Um, But one piece of that is that we really hold that the inner work and outer work need to match. And in these times it can be really difficult, right? To give time to ourselves. But as I shared earlier, you can do a foot bath while you're doing a call. So there's ways, right, that we can layer these things. And so some of what we're moving to do now is to offer a lot more, both opportunities for people to experience modalities and ways to do healing work online and with the context of in-person, right? So we don't always have to be sitting in front of a computer to do online work. We can be outside we can connect with the earth and we really do it from this popular education model and connection. We just did a workshop with people's hub, which is an online movement school to really help people to start leaning into what does holistic healing mean. And so one of the other things we're doing a lot more now with our collaboration of folks is to do a lot more deeper check-ins so that we have more ways to support our people in doing this work. And then also 
offering through Facebook and Instagram. We'll be offering some, I'd say, daily, maybe sometimes boring, sometimes interesting ways in which all of us are learning to heal by choice and really to invite our community into doing that on a daily basis. I don't want us to get to cut up on conversation about the pandemic, although I think there's a lot of um, really great um, um, reflections that um, you all are rooting us in, for sure myself. Um, I wanted to ask you, you you talked about the framework around healing justice, Marcia, um, and I wanted to have you all tell me a little bit more about the history of healing by choice and how it came to be and how um, you all uh, came to this concept of um, the what you explain, Marcia, around um, wanting to pretty much change everything. I don't know if those are the words you use, but um, understanding that uh, we're just, okay, we're disconnected um, from, from nature overall in our environment, in each other. And there is a lot, um, there's a, as this, um, there's a dysregulation that we as organisms in this world have, um, both with our own sort of nervous systems and our own, um, ways of flowing with nature itself. And then there's a dysregulation that we're creating in nature as well is how I understand a bit of what you're saying. And so curious how you all um, started this this um, pro, uh, this collective of healing by choice, and then did you always have that clear understanding, or is that something that you all evolved into, given everybody who's a part of it and your elders that you just named as well? Francisca, that is a really powerful and deep question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to and really answer that question from the beginning of Healing by Choice. So there's something that Adaku Uta says that I feel like is a, is, a, is a thread in Healing by Choice, that none of us know it all, but together we know a lot. And that was how Healing by Choice started. I was called into an organization that works with folks who are housing insecure, and also with racial equity. And the executive director of that organization called me in and said, we put this work together and we called in folks most affected by housing insecurity. And what has happened is that we might be causing more harm than good. And so this was a nine-month fellowship and, and folks were, were um, we're learning how to tell their own stories, create policy and organize in their communities. And so their trauma was coming up as they were learning to do this and there was no place for them to go, no outlet for them to be held in it. And so the executive director said, we need to build in health and healing into, into the work that we do. And called me in and asked if, if I could help weave that in. And I said, I can't. Uh, there's no way that one person can do that work alone. And then there's no way that one person can appeal to all people in the room. 
And so the first iteration was to call a group of folks together that could do the work that they were asking for. It's like my, my dream team and folks who were already on the ground doing the health and healing work, regardless of whether it had the healing justice frame or not, but they were living into that. And so it was well received. They wanted us to come back a second year and they wanted us to come back with a vision and a name. And we were like, well, (laughs) are we a thing? And we decided we were going to do it. We loved doing the work and we were being called in by our community to meet a need. And we loved each other. That's it. Yeah, we love each other. And it just, it was, you know, like, it wasn't just work. It was like deep relationship and, and a want to be around each other and a desire to learn and grow this work with each other. And so Healing by Choice was formed, and there's been different iterations of how we do things. We're growing to how to put our work online. We're learning how to be more vocal and visible. But healing justice is our root and our foundation. And I won't explain the fullness of healing justice, but healing justice is the intersection of economic justice, racial justice, disability justice, holistic security, transformative justice, reproductive justice, racial and gender justice, trans justice, environmental justice, and climate justice. And I name all of that because those are, healing justice is a framework that is weaved into all of that work. And so one really can't exist without the other. And so we're constantly learning what that means and how to, and how to do that um, in ways that our community is calling for and also opening up and expanding and and showing, not showing, but guiding towards a healing justice framework. Our expectation is not that everyone we work with know healing justice or have that language, but it's the foundation that we hold. And so since that original time, more organizations and more communities found out about this thing called healing by choice. And we're called into communities to hold Uh, folks that are struggling with gun violence, returning citizens, organizations that that need and want healing weaved into their work, conferences that are coming into Detroit. And for us, it feels really important that when people are coming into Detroit, that they're working directly with the people on the ground here and they understand the culture Mm -hmm. and the ways that we move here. And so we are one part of holding that. And honestly, I think we all feel like as important as healing by choice uh, may be for our communities and for each other. If we worked our way out of this work (laughs) in the ways that are crisis mode, we'd be great with that too. But for the time being, we're here and we're being led by, by our community, by what the land is asking for. And I'll say this last piece, because this is longer than I wanted to, to speak, is that it felt really important to bring women of color and 2S LGBTQI folks together that have different wisdoms, that are willing to guide each other and work well together, and also recognize that there are moments where one of us is needed and another isn't. So we can step in and step in and step out and take care of each other. Like Marsha having to step out to go on maternity leave and Amanda stepping in. And there was a time where I needed a four month break and I just couldn't 
do the work I needed to take care of myself. So everyone stepped in for me. And it's a it's like reciprocity with each other, but also the relationship to the to what the land is calling for too. And that's within the environmental justice, the climate justice, recognizing that all of this is a parallel and it's all in relationship. I really appreciate, and the reason why I wanted to talk to you all because is because I um, I feel like more and more I was seeing, you know, the last few years, um, healing as a concept being defined in different ways and understood in different ways. And it does mean different things to different people. But one thing that I was mm, growing concerned about is the deep, deep politicization of it. And that was is something that still worries me, even in some ways in movement circles, to be a little controversial. Whereas there isn't so much of an analysis of healing, whether healing justice is the framework people want to use or healing in general is a conversation. I feel like at times it's not rooted as it should be, in my opinion, in movement building and in systems change. And in the need to connect healing to all of those things that you said. And that's why I so deeply appreciate healing by choice as one of the leading, in my opinion, sort of experiments, if you will allow me to call you that, right? Because like like Marcia said, like we're changing everything. And that means letting a million flowers bloom and allowing ourselves to really tap into creativity of what this could look like, even in quote unquote crisis which we have been for hundreds of years, what a new way of embodying uh, uh, being like in relationship with each other as healing and health practitioners, embodying what it looks like to do this healing work, uh, care work um, in movement and in community with an analysis of race and class and environmental destruction and climate justice and you know, all of disability justice, all of this is so deeply important. And I feel like that is something that I also hope that in the years to come, it'll be something that is contagious and it'll be something that is a framework and thought leadership that um, that I know is already being put out by Healing by Choice, but I feel like at a national stage and really like um, you know, permeating like that analysis that you all have, I hope permeates really the entire um, cosmos of what movement building is, you know? And I think, I hope you know that um, how incredibly important y'all are, y'all's contribution is in this moment politically. And I think what it can do for us in terms of guiding us and what, how to integrate this work into our broader movement building efforts and just in, in the way we want to relate to each other, even organizationally, right? Um, I think at a different podcast, I conversation with you all, I love to have conversation about how to set up structures, collectives, organisms, whatever you want to call them, organizations, in a way that uh, you described, Adela, of like, I needed to tap out for four months and people had my back. They understood. There was an overflow of compassion. And um, I felt like what my responsibilities were were covered and we're good. We were good. The stuff still got done, you know, (laughs) the work still got done that was important to, to ensure that it happened. So 
Um, I feel like I, I just want to kind of, you know, highlight that from what you all have named. And I'm really curious about what you all's sort of, uh, learnings have been the last few years of this beautiful, uh, experiment, like I said, project evolving into what it has. And I know it's going to continue to do so. Um, so if there's anything y'all want to share in terms of some of your realizations. I would just like to say that um, coming into Healing by Choice as a collective that had already existed for um, a year or two, uh, what I did find when I came in was that there was a lot of grounding in the principle of healing justice in the principles of um, racial justice, of gender justice. Um, There was a lot of grounding. And I think that that was so crucial coming in because it was a strong foundation set for an environment that really prioritizes um, equity and access. Um, And so... I think that helps to frame how we show up in community. I think one of the biggest things that has been really essential to this work uh, for us together is this idea that no one gets left behind and that all of us have a place and a belonging. And that all expands as we've talked about in our time together, not just our group of practitioners, but also our families, the earth, those who came before us and those who came after. Then no one gets left behind. Thank you, Marsha and Amanda, my loves. <laughs> I, I think we're all growing and learning in every moment. And what I've learned working with healing by choice and growing my spirit and my soul and my work in Detroit and Puerto Rico is that uh, I actually trust that there are folks that when they say you can make a mistake, you don't need to do everything perfectly. I had to, I had to grow up uh, in this, in this understanding and So I am learning what trust means. I am learning what it looks like to not be, not have expectation of myself to do it all well. uh, And that I am going to make mistakes. I'm not going to do healing justice work exactly the way we put it out in the world. And I'm not going to understand the fullness of the work or what it means to be a great community member in every moment. I'm going to, I'm going to have to be uncomfortable. And so healing by choice has not done it all well, and we're not doing it all well. We're learning, we're figuring it out. And what I am so deeply grateful for is that I do have a place to land and that my upbringing with borders and with coming into a world that distrust distrusted me and my people and those who are around us is that I internalized that and I created a divide between me and other people, but also with my own 
my internal gifts. And so that's the last thing I'll say is that I'm learning that um, I can live into to the gifts that I came into this world with, and they can be big and small, and that those around me, we can celebrate that for for the groups that we're in and the people we're with, and that there doesn't need to be a competition. We can actually celebrate all of us in every moment. And when one of us needs to step up, yeah, it's, it's your turn. You go for it. Where you are brilliant, you're amazing, and you got this. And we are right here, standing right next to you when you need to lean, or if you fall, if you make a mistake, we're still going to celebrate all of who we are. And um, even within our imperfection, that feels pretty perfect to me. And Francisca, I just want to say that I really appreciate the framework of it being an experiment that you shared I think that that really is the place that we're always at. Uh, Grace also said to us to pay attention to what time is on the clock of the world. And so what's needed in this moment versus the last moment versus eight moments from now will change. And so that we approach our work and ourselves as an experiment and that we have the capacity then to reimagine and to be really creative in what's possible together. I just want to say one more thing about this work, because I think it's important to note, is that I also am learning that we need to have fun and celebration within health and healing work. I have had a tendency to feel like there's such, this is such a huge responsibility, and I want to hold it in that responsibility that I sometimes lose the part of it that's fun, exciting, and celebratory. And so I'm learning to reincorporate that and have us be a group of joy too, not only the seriousness of the work. I love that. Um, I also love the the quote that you shared uh, from Grace Lee Boggs around what time is it in the clock of the world? Um, and again, I think that's a good question. That's a good, just question, spiritual and physical and like literal, it's a good spiritual and literal question for, for all of us to kind of ponder in this moment. Um, and to also, uh, help us lean into curiosity in some ways, and then also flexibility, right? Um, I think sometimes we can get really attached to uh, how something should be organizationally, even within our own selves and how we should be responding or who we are. And like the reality is um, where these ever evolving uh, beings. And so is, so is the world, you know, we're interconnected. We don't live in a vacuum. And so um, we really impact everything and everything impacts us. And so uh, both is a good thing for structures and institutions and uh, what we might've founded five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we thought our theory was then and what the practice was and what it is now, you know? And so uh, I think uh, I just, I just think it's a really powerful way of um, checking up on ourselves and the things that we're building and we have built Um and so I guess I want to ask um, as a last sort of 
closing question for you all. I feel like we could talk forever and ever. And I have, I'm so curious about um, the way that you all have built this beautiful project and, um, and what the practice looks like, you know, now and, 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 and what it will look like later. And I'm, I'm curious what you all, uh, now that you've seen the pandemic sort of take hold of for sure the world, but definitely in this country. And it has, we've all, I think, had critiques of the medical industrial complex. We've all had critiques of, of how it has treated our people and how um, we have related to it as well, um, been dependent on it. Um, I'm just curious about if you'll have um, thought about, done any reflection on like, what could things look like moving forward, right? I, I think many folks have put out, we cannot go back to normal. We cannot go back to the way things were. And I think one of the biggest things for me is like the world of of healthcare and how we've known it's been driven by um, corporate interests and exploiting people, uh, eugenics as, you know, its history, Uh, but how um, really we're in this problem for a lot of reasons. And one of the main ones has been corporate greed. And so I'm just curious if you all have any thoughts on like past this point, like, like what would it look like to build a society where we actually center well-being? For me, what that looks like is actively centering people on the margins. So I think the reason that this particular pandemic um, is causing such an uproar is because everyone can be impacted, rich, poor, regardless of race, though we do also see that because of the way that our system has been, people who are marginalized along the lines of race and SEs like diabetes and like um heart failure, hypertension, all of these different things that come from a lifetime of stress and of neglect um, by our institutions. Anyway, so regardless of our health um, prior, everyone can be impacted. And of course, there are some people who are um, even more impacted. But Before this, we had people with disabilities pushed to the sidelines who are already experiencing this type of crisis every day in their lives, um, who already um, face a lot of isolation, um, who already have to be really conscious about being in the world and keeping healthy. So I think. What this says for me is that going forward, we have to be centering the needs of the people most on the margins all the time because none of us are free until all of us are free. Um, None of us can be well if all of us can't be well. And how we move forward is centering that knowledge um, and being more intentional. So 
One thing I've loved to see on a lot of these Zoom calls lately has been interpreters, um, sign language interpreters, and closed captioning. Um, we see people doing things like, um, for instance, if we're going to have a healing by choice workshop or call, then we're going to make sure that people understand to take bio breaks, meaning to take care of their uh, physical and emotional needs during the call, not to feel too pressured to um, sit through discomfort, say I have to use the restroom or something during a a call, then you know people should explicitly know that that's okay, that it's explicitly okay if you need to get up and stretch because um, you have tight muscles in your back and to sit too long makes you feel uncomfortable. Those types of things, just making it more explicit that whatever your needs are, um, don't be afraid to either name them or to take care of them if you can. This is Adela. So I, when thinking about this question, I, I don't only want to think about it as the things that aren't happening, but that also so many of us already are already living in it and have been doing the work of creating new systems for a long time. And so there are the disability communities of care, intentional queer communities, migrant communities, uh, those that we can look to for what they're doing now that can be expanded on. So my can look around in Puerto Rico and Detroit at is coming out of hurricanes, Irma and Maria, and then the earthquakes, and now the pandemic. Folks had to take a moment to remember who we are. The the United States and the healthcare system took so much away from the land, the ability to grow, have everything be shipped in. Not in, in, in Puerto Rico, people started reclaiming their medicines and remembering what their grandparents and their grandmothers had taught them from a very young age. And so not everything is so far off or out of reach. In Detroit, we have a massive community garden movement and so we already have community-led economies of care. In my community, when it's in the spring and summer, we have Wednesday farmers markets where we share everything that we've grown or that we've made in our kitchens or in our backyards with each other. And so these are things that can be extended and developed and shared with each other that we already know. The mutual aid that's happening around the country those are also things that don't have to be momentary. What are the solutions that we're figuring out now that could be part of our long-term, as I said in the beginning of this call, like our long-term deepening our structural changes? And I, I get nervous when we talk only about like um, that it might seem like a huge undertaking to recreate or dismantle the system instead of like, oh no, we have a lot that we know. And if we tap into each other, a lot of the solutions are already there. 
and we don't have to do this alone. I think that's the biggest thing is that how do we how do we continue to build on our safety strategies, a foundation of healing justice, a community led economies um, that are rooted in interdependence. And these this is all of these are not only my words. These come from Cara Page and national folks who have been thinking about this for generations. And so I really appreciate this question in the sense of like, okay, there's there's a lot that there there may be things that we don't know, but there's so much that we know and that we're doing now. Let's just make them visible and grow them. Oh yes. And interrupt all the ways in which our people have been interrupting their dependence on these systems that haven't worked for them. I think that's those two things are um, really powerful uh, ways to real powerful things to affirm, which is um, let's make them visible and let's actually grow them. So um, I just want to really appreciate all of you all for being on the podcast um, I am really grateful that um, you responded to my my request. Um, <laughs> and really grateful this conversation happened because um, I I think all of us needed it. Um, all the folks that will be listening, and um, I'm really excited um, to l- continue to learn more from you all. Or plus. And um, I want to say that I don't want it to be the only conversation. I hope to actually continue to bring you on to La Cura podcast, uh, to continue to share your learnings and your reflections and um, your practice. And and I know and I hope that this will inspire more folks on the ground um, to do to continue to do the work that they're doing, um, to feel seen, and then also to expand it and grow it, like you were saying, Adela. Um, so I thank you all um, for being on. I'm very excited to continue onward and grateful to be here. Echo the thank you as well. I think there's also a lot that we have to learn from you. So appreciate the opportunity to be in relationship with you. Thank you. Francisca, I don't want to neglect to tell you that you are a powerful force in this world. (laughs) And we are so grateful that you and your people and your family exist. And uh, and the ability to be connected to you is really sacred. So thank you. Thank you for listening to La Cura Podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, edited by Lourdes Hernandez. Music is by Rafael Maya. Find us on social media at La Cura Podcast. Please rate us, subscribe so that you are notified as soon as the newest episode drops and share your favorite episodes with your friends. Bye bye, la woo.